So, Eric, it's 11.30 at night while we're recording this. Um, <laughs> you remember our days when we were working together in Florida, like, three years ago? Yes. I feel like I wouldn't feel like I'm literally about to die recording just three years ago. Is is that just me because I'm going to turn 30 this year and I'm just old as crap? Or do you feel the same way? I mean, I also feel pretty like tired but i did play basketball for like a couple hours tonight so i'm gonna blame it on that and not on the fact that i'm old also it's probably because i'm old (sighs) i guess we're just a bunch of old men dude yeah at least you're playing basketball (laughs) i'm not doing anything (laughs) Uh, i i'm not saying i played it well gentlemen welcome to another episode of pixel snobs an artistic journey through the world of video games and i am once again joined by my good friend eric parker my sort of official co-host i mean we're working we're working towards official but i get it we're getting there for sure we're getting there for sure uh so normally Normally, I kind of envision this podcast as, like, when when I think about you and me recording together, Eric, I kind of envision us in, like, black tie attire, wearing tuxedos, top hats. We're in, like, a winery or or a, a mansion, and we're, like, sniffing, uh, drinking wine, sticking it up to our noses, taking a big old whiff out of it, and just like, oh, the volume in this one is just exquisite, and just, you know, being really snobby, like the title of Pixel Snobs. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we're not, we're not drinking wine. We're not, we don't have our tuxedos on. We're not sniffing that, that, that red juice. We are sitting on the front porch, Cracking open a cold one, sipping on some virtual non-alcoholic beer, and just having a super casual conversation about video games. Um, and Eric, I actually think the topic today was your idea, wasn't it? Well, I was going to say, it's funny that you said like we're having a casual conversation about video games because I can't remember if it was my idea or your idea, but it basically came about because we were having a casual conversation and then one of us was like we should just make this an episode because i feel like this is going to be relatable to many other people so it's like as much as that was a metaphor it also was legitimately i think how we birthed the like idea for this episode and i think it's applicable to us because we're both as we talked about at the beginning old men uh who have real lives and real jobs and real responsibilities and that's why today's episode is maybe the first of multiple episodes of quick games for busy adults oh yeah i definitely could see this being a repeated uh repeated topic because like we will just naturally find ourselves playing games like this to kind of fill the fill the little bit of time we have so i feel like we'll often just be like hey i played another like quick game and then we'll be like let's just talk about it in a kind of like a wrap-up episode yeah for sure i i definitely think this will come up uh again i actually have an idea for a game or two in the future but you know what not we're not worrying about that right now uh we we have selected and played three very quick games uh some quicker than others but we'll get to that uh that we believe you the listener if you are a busy adult with a busy job and a busy life these games are easy to squeeze into your schedule. So I believe the first one we are talking about is we're, we're going from longest game to shortest game. Yes. Uh, the first one is is Moonlighter, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. And I will add as much as, you know, this might be geared towards people who feel like they don't have as much time in their everyday week to like sit down and, you know, kind of grind through like a 
even though it's a really good game, like a longer game. I will say that this could work as like a palate cleanser for even those who might still have that time in their schedule. Because sometimes, you know, you, you're grinding through a game and you love it. You can't get enough of it, enough of it. And then sometimes you like, you feel like you need to play the game, but you want to play something else, but you don't want to start something super heavy. So this is like, you know, this is like, again, going back to the sommelier like kind of experience. This is like a palate cleanser between two refined things. You know, this is just something to kind of get you, get you reset and then you're ready to dive back into like that heavy AAA title or something. Yeah. Um, and Eric, you are the one that initially introduced this game to me. So I think it's only right that you are the one that tells everyone what this game is about. All right. All right. So it actually took me two attempts to really like get into Moonlighter. I bought it years ago when it was like it first came out. I, I'm, I feel terrible for not knowing the specific year, but. I bought it from my from Steam. I think it was on sale, and someone I recommended it, and I tried playing it, but it didn't really grab me the first time, so I I didn't play it. Then, on my Xbox, uh, Game Pass had it, and I was like, oh, you know what? Let me try this again, and I immediately like had the opposite experience, like fell in love. So it's a roguelike top-down dungeon crawler. So there's lots of games in that kind of genre. So you might be already thinking to yourself, like, hey, what, what's going to make this stand out from, like, something like the, the Binding of Isaac, right? Like a very popular dungeon crawler. And the difference for Moonlighter, uh, besides the theme, is that it's a two-part game where you're crawling through dungeons and progressing deeper and uh, leveling up your character and stuff like that. But you're also in charge of a shop <clears throat> in town. So being in charge of the shop, your goal is to dive into these dungeons, defeat these monsters, get good loot that then you come out of the store and or out of the dungeon, I should say, and sell these items in your store. And then the money you make from those, you then go buy better gear, better armor, better weapons, potions to help you last longer in the dungeons. And then you get to go deeper into the dungeons and fight the bosses. So it's this nice little back and forth. And at least for me, I never found it really tedious. I never found a moment where I felt like I was having to like grind one aspect of the game so that I could progress. It felt like a good balance. Um, I beat the game. I know Nigel's played it. I don't think he is he has beaten it. But um, if any of you are familiar with Moonlighter, you might be thinking to yourself like, this is not necessarily a short game per se. Like this is still many hours are sunk into it. There's four basic dungeons you have to get through and you know they do take some time and some trial and error and some figuring out what's going on but the reason we added it to this episode was because for myself who didn't always have a ton of time to sit down and play a game like I might only have like an hour or like 45 minutes to play it felt super easy to like pick up play for maybe like half an hour, 45 minutes, and then I got to go do something else. So I just save it, put it down, and then it was super easy to walk away from it. Like there were times that I wanted to like really dive into it and like grind it. But most of the time, it was super approachable and easy to be like, I'm gonna play 45 minutes of it, and then I'm gonna set it down. And maybe I won't play it for a couple more days. But then I have an hour on like my day off that I can play. So then I jump back in, play it for that hour, and I'm and I'm satisfied. I'm not feeling like I'm missing the story because the story is there, but it's not super deep or hard to follow. Like it's very heavy mechanics on, or like the focus is heavy on the gameplay, less on the story, which I feel like is what helps uh, the game easily to be approachable and like you picking up and putting it down and playing it. Yeah, definitely the uh, simplicity of the story really helps with the ability to dip in and out of the game because it's very much just like, hey, you're a shop owner, but you want to be an adventurer, and that that's the story. Um, and I I love how Zelda esque it is because oh, yeah, the Legend the of Zelda is series, a ton. like it's super Zelda aesthetic. Yes, as a matter of fact, at the very beginning, I really liked there was there was a joke oh, yeah. where the old guy's like, "It's dangerous to go alone. Take this," and he gives you some sort of item, which he gives you like a broom. Know. It's like not even a good. Oh weapon. yeah, that's it's right. Like it's a, a broom. broom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, he uh, uh, yeah he gives you that, and for those of you that don't know, that's a very famous line from the very first Legend of Zelda game. It's it's often quoted in. Uh, the realm of video games um and i will say 
besides like the art style and the music because i love pixelated ish games like this that have like that super nintendo look to it um i did uh think there's a good uh artistic value in this game as well uh Mm -hmm. even though this today's more of like a casual conversation kind of thing once again on that front porch just just rocking in our chairs just chilling just chatting but uh i i really liked how there's sort of this this idea that's floating in the background where it's like everyone is has told you the main character like you're a shopkeeper you know mm-hmm. like just be a shopkeeper mm-hmm. but yet your character is like bound uh, like like de- determined to to be something more he's like no like i know i'm supposed to be a shopkeeper but i feel like i'm supposed to be more than that like i'm supposed to be an adventurer and Mm -hmm. so he's sort of like balancing the two and like going through a bit of a identity crisis um which maybe i'm bringing it up because that's kind of what i'm going through right now (laughs) uh with with my career and and what i'm doing uh for a living and all that but i i really liked that aspect of it how he's the character is like oh like i've always been told to do this but you know screw what people tell me to do i'm gonna do this because this is what i feel like i am uh in my heart yeah no no i definitely agree and and i should and i should say or clarify even though we said there's not like a huge emphasis on the story there's still enough of a story that you're not like oh i don't even understand why i'm doing what i'm doing like it makes sense it's just such a simple, straightforward story, as you said. Like, you are a shopkeeper, your parents own this shop, they're now dead, and now you are the shopkeeper, and there's this old man in the village who's, like, kind of your mentor and, like, guardian, and he basically keeps on being like, you need to be safe and not be an adventurer, but, oh, darn it, look, you're being an adventurer again. And it's just kind of this, like, back and forth. And then, like, the other cool thing is you are, like, improving the village, so the village has kind of, like died off because most of like the commerce came from these like dungeons and adventurers going in and coming out with stuff and like it created this economy so when the dungeons all got shut up the town kind of like fell into i don't want to say disarray but kind of just like unimportance so now like on top of you saving up money from the things you sell in your shop to upgrade like weapons and armor and like get potions the other two things you use the money for primarily is to upgrade like your shop so that you can do more things and there's like little mini games associated with your shop like there are people that are going to come in and try to steal from your shop so you have to be like actively on the lookout when you're when you're selling things and then you have to like kind of intercept them and wrestle them and then you get their item back and then um the other thing you spend money on is literally building or investing into like new businesses that come into your town and like improve it so it's got, like, a very satisfying, like, progression to the game because you can very tangibly see, in most, like, rogue-like dungeon crawlers, right, you tangibly see, like, the hard work you've put in. So it's like your character's getting stronger, you have better gear, there's more dungeons you're unlocking, there's more shops in the town, your shop is getting better. Like, it's really cool to see, like, at least for me, especially if I'm grinding through a game and I only get to play it a little bit at a time, seeing tangible, like, results... That it's like, oh, I did that, and now I see that, and now it affects me in a positive way is also something that will, like, hold my attention and my, like, longevity to a game. And then we haven't even touched on this, but, like, the mini game associated with, like, you don't know the price of goods when you discover them in the dungeon and bring them back to your shop. So there's, like, a mini game aspect where you're setting prices kind of blindly but with very little reference And then you're waiting for patrons in your shop to, like, look at the item and then you see their reaction. And based off their reaction, you either adjust the price or know you have, like, a good price. So it's like they might hate the price and not buy it and then you know you've priced it too high. Or they might love the price so much because it's such a good steal that you're like, crap, I could have made more money on that. And it's like, for some reason, that kind of, like, economy really, like, scratched an itch for me with this game. Like, I like I think, Nigel, you asked me at one point when we were talking about this game when we were both playing it, that you were like, have you gone online and, like, looked up the right prices for things yet? And I was like, no. I, like, never really had the desire to do that because I enjoyed that, like, minigame aspect of the game so much. 
Yeah, not me. <laughs> I was like, I just want to know the prices, please. Uh, don't don't want to spend time trying to figure that out. Uh, so before we move on to the next game, uh, I did just look up the average amount of time it takes to beat the main story for Moonlighter, and it is 14 hours, which is still, despite it being the longest game we're talking about today, that's a short amount of time oh, compared yeah. to most video games. So I think especially because of the simplicity of the story and the ability to just dip in, in and out of the game, it definitely can fit into the busy adult schedule. Yeah, and one last thing I feel like is important to mention, and then we can move on, is that there's also a, a decent amount of replayability for the game because, one, there's New Game Plus. It, it's a game that has that, that mechanic built in. But then, two... Um, there's many different ways you can approach doing the dungeon crawl when it, when it's like the armor you choose, do you try to be more elusive or do you try to just build up your heart so you can tank more damage? And then also with the weapon you choose, so you can choose, you know, similarly, you can choose a more, uh, kind of agile weapon where you can deal less damage per hit, but you deal hits quicker or like, I'm going to choose like a big weapon that when I land a hit. So it's nice because if you like beat the game and you're really enjoying the game and you're like, Oh, I kind of want to keep playing it. Even though I've beat the main story, you can just boot up a new game plus try a different like armor set and weapon. And I think there's enough variability that like you can probably double the hours that you can get out of this game. If you really wanted to spend a long time playing it. Plus there's also DLC you could buy. So the next game we have, and this is probably my favorite of the three, uh, <laughs> it is Untitled Goose Game. Oh, yes. uh, so I will take the liberty of explaining this one because I I love this game. Uh, you um, also, you've also played it much more recently than I have, so you definitely should take the lead on this. Yeah, actually, I haven't played the game in about uh, two years. Actually, it's been two years since I've played this game. Oh, but it's been, it's I, been probably like four for me. Like it, when it okay. first came out, is the last time I played it. I think. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it came out three or four years ago, uh, if I remember correctly. But so, Untitled Goose Game <laughs> uh, is a game where you play as a goose. Um, and the whole point of the game is you just go around this tiny little uh, British-esque town. Actually, you know what? I think it might be Australian. Um, I'll look it up yeah. while, you're, uh, while you're talking. I was looking up something else about the game, so... Yeah, yeah, I think it might be Australian. Uh, so anyway, you're in this little British slash Australian town, uh, and you're playing as a goose, and you're given uh, a list of tasks to do. And the tasks are like, steal uh, the gardener's hat, or like swap his hat, make this little boy drop his toy, or like lose his toy. And so the whole point of the game is just you as this goose terrorizing this town <laughs> but yet it's so uh despite like the chaoticness of the game uh there there's this like laid back like slapstick comedy ishness to it um and, and one of my other favorite things about this game is the soundtrack uh because the original music uh, that they did for this game it was originally composed by Claude Debussy yeah. uh, which fun fact is the guy that composed uh, the original version of the Pixel Snops theme song Claire de Lune which is my favorite classical piece of all time uh, one of my favorite songs of all time uh, and there, it, it, it's a, comp a recomposition of this series of songs called the Preludes and if you listen to the music, there is, like, this, like, joltedness to it, this chaotic energy to it. Um, there's no, like, r consistent rhyme or, like, beat to it. And it, like, fits really well into the game because the music reacts to what the things you do in the game. Like, the more chaotic you are and the more trouble you're causing as this goose, uh, the music will become more disjointed and chaotic and i love how it uh reacts to you um if i remember correctly the play time for this game is probably about two to three hours oh it's uh, gotta be so super low in, in in relative nature to most games uh, crazy low uh 
very yeah very uh easy to beat it's not difficult at all it does require some thinking at times uh just because well, there's certain it's things a, it's a kind of like trial and error game right so like a game that i don't know if we'll talk about eventually that you were really high on and then i played and i was like i don't like this game was tunic and in uh, a very yes. different way it's the same premise of like you are kind of dropped into the game with little to no instruction and you just kind of like the novelty of just being a goose and terrorizing people is what gets you entertained for the first, I don't know, like 20 minutes you play the game. But then inevitably through terrorizing someone, you discover like an objective and you're like, oh, I'm going now I understand what I need to do. And it's like that process of slowly like having fun, but realizing objectives and completing them. Like, I don't know. I feel like the first game that really broached or like approached this style was like goat simulator back in the day like did you ever play that yes i did play goat simulator goat simulator is definitely goofier i would yes, say than this it's game way goofier and there's way more to go simulator too like they made that game so expansive in, in reality especially compared to like untitled goose game yeah for sure uh goat simulator i do love that game that would have been another good one maybe we'll have to do that for another uh, episode because that's another like easy to dip into mm-hmm. game uh, and dip in and out kind of game uh, but two more things I'll say about Goose Game before we move on uh, there is a great uh, video about this game it's called Untitled Goose Game and Player Driven Comedy uh, it's by a user on YouTube called Writing on Games uh, I did just subscribe to him <laughs> because it seems like he does kind of similar stuff that we do uh, like really getting into the meat of games and like seeing the value and them, the artistic value in them. But uh, so I remember, Eric, you've been pretty big on high on life recently, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's been fun. You know, I so I, I actually recently got to like a place where I'm I got very tilted because I'm stuck on like a boss and I haven't gone back in like a few weeks. But yeah, I really like it. Yeah, so it's super funny game, uh, and there's a lot of funny games out there, like comedy-driven games. Uh, uh, Portal comes to mind, Portal 1 and Portal, Portal 2. Uh, but Untitled Goose Game, uh, and I am stealing this from this guy because he made an awesome point, uh, stealing this from running on games. So games like High on Life and Portal, Portal 2, the comedy is in the dialogue, and it's in... it's on a railroad and like no matter what you're going to experience the comedy it's like Uh, it's like watching a funny show or a funny yes like it's it's yes it's structured comedy exactly yes whereas untitled goose game just like the title of the video that he made is player driven comedy because there's nothing funny happening in the game at all (laughs) there's just people living their lives the funny part is when you the player get involved as a goose and Uh, start like chasing people around with a pair of scissors in your mouth (laughs) or like you steal the gardener's hat or something is like one of the first objectives or isn't it like you have to steal something from this gardener and it's like he's just like trying to do his job and his job is being hindered by this like unhinged goose that like you're controlling and you're just like making his life a nightmare yes and so like that on top of like you having a honk button yeah uh, like a a goose honk button uh uh and on top of all the music that was composed for it uh uh, combined together at like the comedy you like i i remember the other thing i want to say about this game uh is that it's you can also do co-op in the game uh, and there was yeah, a. I, I was reading the Wikipedia page, and it said they added co-op later. And the second player plays as a Chinese goose. I don't understand what that meant because yes. I never did it. But that sounded just funny to me reading it. Yeah, so it's 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 not racist. <laughs> their their beak just looks a little different. Uh, but I so there was a moment in time about two years ago. I was living uh, living with uh, two amazing friends of mine so shout out to alex and katie kaminsky if you're not listening to this then you're bad friends if you are you're great friends but anyway they shout uh, them out and then immediately insult them hey i but i built them right back up after i was done eric like any good friend would but uh they uh 
they let me live with them for a month as I was uh, switching apartments at one point. Uh, and there was a week where we could not leave because we someone had come over uh, for worship practice. And they had, it turned out they had COVID, so we had to quarantine for a week. Uh-huh. Uh, and me and Alex played Untitled Goose Game uh, one day. Him and I doing co-op together with Katie watching at certain points. And we were just having a hoot and a holler the whole time, having so much fun, just dying laughing at, at the fun we were having. And like I was saying before, like all of the comedy, like all the laughing was all due to like the nonsense we were getting up to <laughs> playing, playing as two geese that were terrorizing a small town. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much all I have to say about goose game. It's a phenomenal game. I love it. it and it's, and it's a short experience. Oh yeah. Where you can easily play. And it's also fun to replay uh, with friends and it's also easy to play mm. so if you're not good at video games it's very simple well, and just and fun it's funny that you mentioned the whole co-op thing with your buddy alex because what i was gonna add was that like super i don't know if this is only for a niche audience or if this is just a super like dark horse thing that no one thinks about but that game even without the co-op is perfect for like multiple people sitting in a room like literally the first time i played that game i was over at uh, my buddy's house, shout out Jackson. And we had like a handful of people over and he booted it up and we just were, whether you were just watching or we would like pass the controller between people. And I mean, we, it was like, we were just enjoying like a TV show and we did it for like over an hour, you know, like just doing dumb stuff, accomplishing objectives. And like, I don't know, there's like probably four or five people there. And even Wait, without like Eric, co-op, mm-hmm. I think I was there. You may have been. I was I was thinking that that was like in that time frame that we were both in Virginia because I Yeah, and we this, were working at Highland Heights. Yeah, together. I played this right before like I moved to Michigan because I looked it up and it came out in like September of 2019, which would have mm-hmm. been literally like a month before I moved. Um, yeah, and it was at Austin's place, yeah, right? Yeah, I think Okay, I think, so I, I was there. Austin, awesome. <laughs> I think Austin like it was at his apartment, but I think Jackson had brought over his switch with it on right there. And we hooked right. it up and we all played it. And yeah, it was just super fun. So like just echoing what like Nigel was saying that if, if you happen to have like a group of friends or even like roommates or a partner or a spouse, and like, you're just looking for like a laugh. Like, yeah, it's just what Nigel has said. Like it's super light, super funny player driven comedy. And also, um, it is just like, I don't know, it's it's really easy to pick up. So when me and Nigel were talking about this idea for this podcast, we like labeled this game as like the you've had a long week or a long day at work and you just want to sit down and like kind of like decompress and unplug. You could just like play this for, you know, half an hour at like 45 minutes and just laugh and just like decompress from your day or the week. And then I feel like everyone will just feel better after like it, it, it's just one of those games for sure for also it, sure. It, it was an english village according to the game's wikipedia oh okay maybe it was made by an australian development team i don't i don't know where australia came from but it just popped in my head so i, they're, they're, I went the for exact it. wording was there you're like a menace to like an idyllic english village yes but uh regardless untitled goose game uh, I I love that game and oh, I cannot yeah. uh, praise it enough. Uh, so on to the last game before we chat about uh, what we have been playing recently. Uh, so I want to give some context on this one. I feel like I feel like I feel like I have the best perspective to share on this one. Uh, at oh, least for the, just the okay. intro. Well, so it's funny okay. we we have like a, a running list of games that we will both recommend that like should be talked about on the podcast so we'll edit the list we'll go back and forth one of us might add a game and then we'll talk to each other on the phone or something and say hey i've heard about this game it's about this like tell me if you're interested and then like we'll we'll basically you know lightly schedule this to be a game that we're gonna like intentionally try to play soon well right the game we're about to talk about was on that list and nigel had heard about it and i hadn't heard anything about this game and nigel was (laughs) like hey 
this game sounds really cool. And, and he explained very briefly the like story, like plot kind of setting, right? I don't know. I had a hard time thinking that word. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And then I had some free time and I had a decent amount of free time. So I sat down, downloaded the game. I noticed it downloaded really quickly and I don't have like amazing <laughs> internet, but I was kind of like, you know what, whatever. Like it, it, it could still have some depth of story to it. So I sit down, I start playing it and I don't know. And what seems like no time at all, I'm still, I'm sure it was still like <clears throat> two hours. I completely had beaten the game. And like, there's a little bit of a reason to go back and replay it, but not a ton. So I literally texted Nigel and I was like, I played this game and I already beat it. And he just goes, what? And I was like, I, I beat it in like one sitting. It was like a two hour game. And he was like, oh, and I was like, there's no way we can talk about this for a full podcast. And then I think that no. may have been slightly what prompted the idea for this. But the game we're talking about is a game called Adios. And I'll let Nigel now, like, describe the setting of it. But I just think that was, like, the perfect intro to, like, how short and brief and, and easy it is to play this game. Yes, for sure. Actually, I I think I beat it in less than an hour and a half. Like, it, it was a little bit over an hour, and I was like, I remember finishing being like, oh my gosh, Eric was not kidding. <laughs> so this is, um, I, I can only think of one game I've ever played that was shorter than that. It was called uh, 30 Flights 11. Uh, I played that years ago when I first got a PC. Uh, yeah. That would be a good uh, game for another uh, Quick Games for Busy Adults episode. But um, anyway, so Adios, the premise for this game won me over immediately uh, because what the story is, is that you are a farmer and you have pigs. Uh, but it just so happens that one of your buddies is a hitman for the mafia and he uh, you kind of indirectly work for the mafia and your friend brings you corpses of people that he has killed which you don't see but that's what he's doing uh to feed to the pigs to, to uh dispose of the bodies in a clean manner clean as in not getting caught not like uh, ecologically friendly i guess is another way to think <laughs> about it <laughs> yes and because pigs like will eat literally anything and so yeah. you know it gets rid of the body However, the twist in the game is the whole game is about you telling your friend that you are no longer interested and that you want to back out of this arrangement with the mafia. Do you remember and so, like the the time setting this is in cuz I know it's like I know it's like in the 19 like 80s or or 90s or something. Like do you remember that off the top of your head? Um I'm I think it, too, it was in I think it was in the 70s or the 80s because I think you, the player, uh, or the farmer that you're playing as, uh, is a Vietnam vet, if I, I was I was going to say the same thing. They definitely reference Nam, you know, in it, and they reference it as in, yeah. like, we all fought or whatever. So, like, I knew it has some yeah. sort of, like, period piece idea to it as well. I'm trying to see if I can find it, but you can continue. I just didn't know if you knew that off the top of your head. Yeah, it's somewhere around the 70s or 80s, but uh, so this game, the whole thing, the whole hour, <laughs> is right. uh, basically you talking with your friend and talking about, because what, what ends up happening, I, I, I'm going to try not to spoil it this time, but uh, part of it is your friend ends up like doing chores with you around the farm for the rest of the day, trying to convince you to keep the job, because if you back out, you know, you're going to die right the mafia is going to kill you uh so the whole game ends up mostly being the two of you kind of talking about life and like the meaning of life and like how you ended up where you were and just like exploring the story between the characters and uh, uh especially the farmer just like reflecting on right the decisions he's made and all that kind of stuff and uh uh so it's an awesome story and an awesome premise uh however I I feel bad because I know that there is like I, I, I have no problem punching up, you know, like if EA or Ubisoft makes a crappy game, I uh, will. Ha I have no moral obligation, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. what do I want to say? Moral problem, like 
being like, wow, that game was trashing. awful. Yeah. Yes, trashing the crap out of it. Um, no problem with that at all. But because this is like a really small team that built this game, I do feel bad for saying what I'm about to say. But the graphics in this game and the sound design uh, were terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was not fair. very good. I remember seeing the game and it was like, okay, this does not look as nearly as good as I thought it was going to. Well, um, so that's what I was going to say is like, also, I think you were a victim of your own, like, like hype of the game. Like, yeah. I think you really expected it to be, I don't know, like a five to 10 hour experience with like some more like depth to gameplay and the graphics and the, all that stuff. But like, if I'm being honest, you know, it was like an hour and a half, maybe two hours if you're kind of slow with it, like experience. I mean, it, it was just like deciding to watch a movie. Like the story is incredible for how much it packs in in like an hour and a half to two hours, in my opinion. And like, again, we're going to try not to spoil it because there's really not a ton of other reason to play this game besides the story. So if you already know the story, it's going to really drive you away from wanting to play it. But like, for sure. there's... There's legitimately, like, I'm running through my mind right now. I think there's only five voice actors in the whole game. Like, there's the two yeah, different... Yeah, right. Without being specific, there's the, there's the farmer. There's the two physical people that he interacts with. And then there's the two people he interacts with over the phone. And, like, I'm pretty sure those are the only five voices you hear in the whole game. And, like, the fact that it's one... Like, you're on a farm the entire game. There are five voice actors and it's like an hour hour and a half like i mean it's it's incredible like i'm just sitting here thinking it's the game that i played the most recently but even sitting here thinking about all the different aspects of like what they touch on is just truly like astounding and like i i i almost understand why the graphics may have been lackluster the sound design may have been lackluster because there's Uh, There was obviously so much time spent on the story and I thought it was a great payoff. I feel like it's, it's hard because there's different ways that people can skimp out on graphics and music, but it's more artistically done in a video game. Right. So like if a game comes out now and it's like eight bit themed and it's got like the, like the classic soundtrack, that's like, like, you know what I mean? Like people go, Oh, I love it because it's retro. But in reality, like, they didn't spend that much time on the graphics. They didn't spend that much time on the, like, sound design, the music, the the soundtrack, whatever. But the difference is, like, these guys made a game that still felt modern in the approach. So it felt like they came up short on those areas. But I think it more than makes up for it with the story. Yeah, uh... I would definitely agree with that. the The story was really, really good. the only The only other thing I will say uh, is, I remember you, Eric, said that you thought it was a great story, but it would have been a lot better, uh, or better suited for like a a short story book or a movie. Uh, and I a hundred percent agree mm-hmm. with that. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely love exploring stuff like this through the medium of video games, but I feel like this would have been a better fit for that. Uh, not to say that it's not worth playing, because uh, it, it definitely is worth playing, but that brings me to my second point. Uh, this game at retail price is $20. Yeah, um, okay, I do. I will say that's probably the biggest hit currently for me. Yeah, for sure. Like, no one's going to pay, I mean, unless you're really going all out when you go in the movies. Unless you're paying for someone else, it's hard to justify spending twenty dollars at the movies, and like this game is going to give you the same amount of time. Yeah, so if you are interested in this game, I would strongly suggest you wait until it is on sale because it's not on Game Pass or anything like that. Uh, I would pay, I would recommend five to ten dollars because, yeah. like I said, it only took me a little over an hour to beat. And again, uh, I guess like there's always the argument that like if you want to support an indie game dev and and you know all that stuff like and you're not really concerned about money, then like go pay whatever price you want to pay. But if you're like us and like you're you're really trying to get good bang for your buck, absolutely. Like I remember Nigel said how much the game was. 
like, and I bought it, and I think it was even on slight sale when I bought it, so I think I bought it for probably, like, $13, I want to say, it was, like, a kind of a weird number, but even then, I was, like, I really feel like I just overpaid, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, but again, um, I think I story. did the same thing, uh, yeah, great story, great story, and, uh, and it's so interesting it, that you said something about, like, the short story, and now I'm remembering talking about it, and this will be a good transition to kind of the last little chunk we want to talk about but like it reminds me well it doesn't remind me i wish the story had been told <clears throat> more similar to a game that like we are have scheduled for an upcoming episode <coughs> called as dusk falls um which is more of a stop motion not stop motion like a like a like a graphic novel animated graphic novel story where there's barely any game mechanics and the only thing that's holding you to this game is the story like me and my wife binge play that game and we're really excited when we have the opportunity to talk about it i think i would have enjoyed this more if it was in that style more than like this first person cinematic style yeah, I I would agree with that. I think it would have been a great fit for for that type of thing. But as you already said, Eric, and uh, it is twelve twelve a.m. So let's let's go through this quick because I'm tired and I have There's to get There's a ton up of people and... who are laughing at us for thinking that this is late because they're like listening to this as they play video games and they're just like getting their night going. But like, yeah, we're both old and tired. Yes, and and we have jobs to wake up to in the morning. So. I mean, I'm not saying they don't. They just would rather stay up late, which I remember when I was like that. But yeah, not anymore. My my bones and my brain are too old for that. So we did very quickly want to just uh, very briefly talk about games that we are playing right now uh, in our free time. So Eric, you want to give us a quick run over of what you're what you're playing? Yep. So I would say my biggest crutch, guilty pleasure, knock as like a like a video game person or like a gamer or whatever, which Nigel likes to make fun of me for, is that I'm basically always playing some combination of like some sports video game because I'm real I'm really into sports in real life. Uh, not as much playing as I do enjoy following them. <clears throat> so I've been dabbling in that, and then I've been playing Call of Duty, which uh, I at least can blame Nigel and say that he's also playing it sometimes with me but outside of when I spend time on those uh, a couple other games I've been playing recently have been a game called Eastward and a game called Midnight Fight Express both games are games that I believe we will probably do an episode on in the future um, definitely consideration for it I have I have really enjoyed both those games. I've sunk a decent chunk of time hours-wise into both of them. They're two very different games, I should say. But I've spent a bunch of time in both of them, and I have been basically lobbying Nigel saying, I think if you play even remotely like a couple hours of this game, you'll see what I mean by like there's some depth to it. Eastward is more of like a anime-style kind of like um, adventure... uh, dungeon crawlier game i don't know it's kind of hard to to put to a, a description but super good story super cool environment that the story's set in and then midnight fight express is just a like top down beat em up brawler game which just is sometimes fun to play like it's just awesome to like just beat the snot out of a ton of bad guys like just waves and waves of them but it's got a pretty interesting story i will say so I've told Nigel that I think both games are ones that I'm just going to finish because I'm invested in them. But on top of that, I think we should do an episode on because I think they have, uh, like, especially Eastward has some beautiful art design, sound design. It's really cool. Yeah, those uh, those are two games that we're definitely considering talking about in the future. I'm probably most excited for trying out Eastward, but... Uh, let me get my games out really quick, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna put my brand new CPAP machine on. Oh my god, oh, I sound like oh, a grandpa. That's, oh that's my gosh! So, oh my gosh! I'm so excited. Uh, I genuinely am. But anyway, um, uh, what I've been playing recently is uh, I've been playing Hitman. Uh, I love the Hitman games. As a matter of fact, Untitled Goose Game uh, has a lot of similarities to Hitman because you're given tasks to do and you have to complete them in unique ways. But I won't go down that rabbit hole. Also, the Uh, tasks are wildly different that you're accomplishing. So that's where the comparison ends. 
That 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 too. But there's there are some uh, uh, structure uh, similarities there. But anyway, uh, so Hitman one through three of the most recent trilogy, they've combined those three games into one. Uh, this is IO Interactive, by the way. I love this studio. And I'm super excited because they're making a James Bond game. <laughs> and uh, I'm a huge know, James, James Bond fan. Yeah, Nigel is like the biggest James Bond fan I know. Love, love, love it. And they are seriously the perfect people to and pick I've that game. I cannot think James of anyone Bond better. Movie, Nigel. I, you know what? We're going to talk about that when I have more sleep. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not so tired. But anyway, the point being is they just added a mode called Freelancer Mode um, that is really interesting. It basically turns Hitman into a roguelike game where uh, you have to uh, go to these maps that you're already familiar with, but they randomize the targets um, that you have to kill. You don't have any weapons or tools at the beginning. You have to earn them. Uh, and if you die too many times or fail too many times, it resets your progress. Interesting. So it's really hard. It's it's a high-risk, high-reward game mode uh, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's picking up a lot of steam right now. Uh, and it's pretty fun. And I'm loving it a lot because I love Hitman. And it's definitely added this extra layer of uh, challenge to it for me. And the next game, probably one I'm the most focused on right now, is I got Hogwarts Legacy for my PlayStation. Of course uh, you yes. Uh, so Dude, you're I, I'm such a Hufflepuff. I can already tell. I'm a Ravenclaw. Thank you very much. I'm also uh, a Ravenclaw, but I just like to think that you're a Hufflepuff and you would die like Cedric Diggory very quickly. Yeah, well, you're wrong. I've taken the Pottermore quiz multiple times, and I get Ravenclaw every single time. Well, so, then I guess we're in the same house, buddy. Yeah, get over it, Eric. There's there's room for me, all right? So uh, I, I have dabbled in that game for a few hours. I'm still making my way through it, surely, but uh, slowly but surely. And there's two really interesting things about the game. Uh, one, it's set in the 1800s which is really interesting and cool. I thought that was a a very unique approach to take. Um, And two... I feel like it also solved that they didn't have to put any known characters from the normal Harry Potter universe into the game. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, that probably was the main reason, but... uh, but but I still thought it was cool that it's like, oh, it's a different time period or whatever. Uh, And the other cool thing, which is kind of expected, but it's still really cool to see... Uh, and the thing I'm probably enjoying the most about the game right now is how detailed it is and how great of a job they did of building uh, the Harry Potter wizarding world uh, and and building Hogwarts in the game. Uh, like the, the, the castle looks amazing. Uh, like the dorms and the hallways and the classrooms are so cool. And not only that, but when you're walking around, you'll see like ghosts and stuff that are like playing pranks on students. And, uh, and you'll go into the bathroom and there's a mirror that's like talking to you. And so the, I feel like people say this a lot about video games, uh, that it's become a bit of like a, a trope that people say this so much. But I, it is a genuine compliment coming from me right now that it, it, they did a great job of making the world feel like it was alive um, and, and yeah. lived in and has uh, uh, lore and and all that fun stuff to it. So that's uh, that's pretty much it. Those are the uh, games we're playing. And it makes me laugh for Hogwarts Legacy, especially because I always reference Brink as like that old game Brink. Did you ever play that game, Nigel? I didn't play it, but I remember when it came out. Yeah, so I always reference Brink as the definitive experience in my life where a game was super hype, and then it came out and it just sucked so bad. And honestly, Hogwarts Legacy was like the opposite of that, where I feel like people were excited when it was first announced, but then leading up to like the release... I felt like everybody online, whether it was on like social media or like game forums or whatever, was basically like, I'm sure they're going to mess it up. I'm sure it's going to suck. I'm sure that it's not going to live up to expectations. And then it came out and everybody loves it. I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, 
mainly because I don't have a next-gen console, so I'm not going to try to force my old Xbox to run that. But uh, everyone seems to be loving it, and I'm very excited once I upgrade to next-gen to grab a copy and try it out myself and join you and House Ravenclaw, Nigel. Yes, I, I will be welcoming you with open arms. Uh, I, I don't want to get too deep into this because we got to wrap up, but I will say the reason people were skeptical was because the development team did not have any experience making a triple A game. And so this was like a, a bit of an underdog story because they didn't, <laughs> people were like, there's no way these people are going to make this game good because they've never done anything remotely close to this before. And though it, it definitely has flaws that I'm not going to get into, it's still really good, and I don't regret buying it or paying uh, full price for it. Uh, so, with all that said, I hope you all enjoyed the uh, Quick Games for Busy Adults episode. I'm sure we're going to do more in the future. Me and Arakira, we're going to turn off the lights here on the front porch, get off our rocking chairs, throw away our beer bottles, and uh, head on to bed. In this metaphor, do we separate beds. together? <laughs> Listen, your metaphor really is falling apart here at the end of the episode, and I'm going to blame it on it being late for you. But, yeah. Do we live together? <laughs> in, in, uh, in, in this uh, fiction, yes. Yes, we oh, do. On okay, separate, gotcha. ha- separate halves of the log cabin. No, uh, okay. That makes it a, a little more okay for me, I guess. But at the same time, still still interesting. But, hey, you know, whatever. Well, with that said, thank you so much for listening to Pixel Snobs. And as always, please remember that Call of Duty is not art. But it is fun. It is fun. I'll give you that.